amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The return of football is always worth celebrating and Beer 52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching your team from the comfort of your own home. They're offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. And all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash and just cover the $5.95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members and they send a brand new case to you every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over the USA and Europe. As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment. Don't worry though, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com slash chels to get your first case of eight beers for just $5.95. That's beer52.com chels. Hello and welcome to the Chelsea Podcast. It's me, Andy Saunders. Uh, welcome again. It's me again on my own because, as you know, Kerry uh, isn't very well. Um, he's in hospital um, and uh, fingers crossed he's going to have his operation this week. Big operation. So, uh, Kerry, we are all still wishing you well, sending you positive vibes and hoping you are back on the show as soon as possible to fill the massive void that you've left. Uh, I've got two uh, superstar Chelsea fans uh, to help me out. Uh, in the red corner, I've got uh, Ivor Badil. How are you, Ivor? Yeah, I'm very well. I've actually I've just come back from holiday in Greece, which is actually incredibly stressful in these times of having to do PCR tests and passenger locator forms. And I tell you, my daughter's still quarantining, and they, they've rung her every day. They've been round. 
Um, and it was a heat wave and it was very windy, but it was lovely. Yeah. So essentially, I'm very well. I uh, I went on holiday as well. I went to Ibiza and I didn't find it too stressful. But then it was just two adults. I didn't have to take a child with me, and and that was uh, that was much easier. But yeah, and you have to jump through a lot of hoops. But you're looking well. I can see you on this uh, on this Zoom call that we're doing, and you've uh, you've got a nice glow about you. So uh, so obviously <laughs> all, did you the all, world of good. Well, it's all fake, really. I could talk to you about my various imagined illnesses for hours, but that's that's for another podcast. We'll, we'll leave that. But yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you. Good, good. And, and you're, 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 of course, time. you've been on the show before. For people that don't know you, you're yeah. a Chelsea season ticket holder. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't remember whether we're allowed to swear on this, but when the other fans, as they did at one point on Saturday, uh, Saturday against Palace, chant, where were you when you were... Am I allowed to say Yeah, that? you I can't say remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where were you when you were shit? Um, believe you me, I was there. I mean, I, I kind of want... I kind of want people of my age to have a chant back at them saying, we were here when we were shit. Because, you know, I started going in 76, I think. So, yeah, 13, 14. And as, as I'm sure we all know, that was, uh, you know, the glory days had gone and there was 10, 15, 20 years of, of absolute awful rubbish, both mm-hmm. on and off the pitch. Um, but I was there and then I've had a season ticket, I don't know, 25, 30 years. Now, Where about you sitting on the ground? Well, now it's the East Upper. It was, we moved all around. We were in the old West Stand, and then, as you know, they knocked that down, so we moved to, uh, oh, God, I think it's Nationality or the Upper uh, for a few seasons, and then now we're in the East Upper. I think we've been for about 15 years. And what was good, actually, on Saturday, because obviously being quite neurotic, I was worried about the whole proximity COVID thing. Um, but I reckon most of the people around where I'm similar age have all been double vaccinated. It's the same crowd who've been going for, probably the same amount of time as me so average age of probably about 55 so all double vaccinated so I felt relatively safe yeah it but, is interesting so we'll, come, did, we'll, we'll talk about the match day experience in a minute because we all went yeah. to went, went to the bridge uh relatively young by the standards of us two old codgers uh is uh is Gary Gary Hayes how are you mate hello Andy how are I you I saw you at the game on Saturday didn't I Mm, it was a nice little catch-up, wasn't it? Yeah, nice little catch-up. Yeah, you were sitting in Kerry seats, weren't you? Burgling yeah. Kerry seats. Oh, someone had to. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm good, I'm good. I just wanted to say to Ivor, because we've never met, I just I was digging your um, 2001 to 2003 shirt in the background there. Lampard's first Chelsea shirt, that is. is it? Yeah, well, yeah. Do you know what? I've got, I, oh, if I turn the camera a little bit, you can also see up there on oh, the Oh, look, wall. the 0304, 0405. That's all signed. That was a. I think it might have been a 40th birthday present, possibly from my my brother. Um, but I, I seem to. Yeah, I'm sure we all have. Over the years, I've amassed quite a lot of shirts. Um, they're sort of dotted all over the place. I was going through this the other day, actually talking about shirts. I know we're digressing here, Andy. Sorry, but um, I had someone come with me to the game, and it was their first Chelsea game on Saturday. So I let them borrow a shirt. And I was going through them, and she was like, wow, you've got loads. I was like, yeah, I did have more, and I was starting to regret all the ones that I'd given away. Mm. Just over the years, I was just mm. give Chelsea shirts away, and I was like, I just want to keep them all. You know, so the, I've got that, um, you know, the, the Nike replica they did from the 70 kit. Mm. But um, I just got really nostalgic for kits. And I was like, why have I given all these Chelsea shirts away? I was like, what an absolute idiot. Well, I've got two boys, and they had all the shirts, you know, from from the I guess the early '90s. So we've kept all their shirts. Um, I stopped buying shirts a while back, but um, yeah, we've we've got all their shirts all the way through. And um, yeah, I mean, turning the camera around is, is probably not good radio, but it is. But it is a nice shirt, and as you can see over my 
My yeah, what is see, it? Yeah. over my shoulder is my signed Zola shirt in the back. That's the two thousand kit, isn't it? When won the FA Cup. It is. There you go. Well, you, uh, you know your kits, Gary. Yeah. Oh, Gary, oh no. Dude, Gary's an annoying nerd. Did not. I, I, I used to. I used to work for the club on the program magazine as well. So this stuff has been my life for. Well, <laughs> from, from a kid, I've got a big brother called Seb, and uh, yeah. got, there's there's eight kids and seven boys. So we're, and we're all Chelsea. Wow! And my oldest brother Seb, he took great pride in being the Chelsea fan. Um, so he thought he knew everything. So I was, I'm number five. So I was the annoying little brother that just learned everything to annoy him. Um, so stuck. So I just go around yeah, like yeah. spouting stats and just memorizing <laughs> yeah. everything about Chelsea: the kits, the games, the scorers, the minutes of the goals, the dates, everything. So and I, I always sort of connect where I was doing something based on a Chelsea game. So, so I always so remember I my friend's wedding anniversary because we lost to Wigan and Czech got sent off. Well, that was in. Uh, you know, I used to work for the Chelsea magazine, not work for them, but I used to do stuff for Chelsea magazine. And in fact, it was through them. It's the only time I've, I've properly met Zola because they, they sent me to interview him, um, and it was it was fantastic because there was some sort of mix up. So some other journalists had come in and interviewed him before me. And when I came, came to interview him, he went, oh, but I've just done the interview for Chelsea Magazine. I said, no, I don't know what that was for, but, it, it, you know, I'm the Chelsea Magazine guy. And he could have, you know, he could have said, well, sorry, I've got to go. But he was so nice and friendly. He said, oh, fine, OK. He gave me a decent, whatever, 20 minutes, half an hour. And, you know, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes. And obviously, you know, you love them because of what they do with their feet and, you know, there's no reason why they should necessarily be, you know, great talking or whatever. But either way, you know, I'm sure you guys have met him as well. But he was such a nice bloke. He was just, you know, I loved him even more than I did. Was Clive the editor of the magazine team. when you were doing that? Yeah, yeah, Clive. Um, Clive Batty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did two brilliant, absolutely brilliant books, Kings of the King's Road, about the 60s and 70s team, and then this, A Serious Case of the Blues, which is all about the 80s. If anyone hasn't read them... Uh, they're such amazing books. Uh, yeah, there oh, you wow. go, Andy. Yeah, amazing. And I love Clive. He's such a such a nerdy yeah, guy he, like me. I love it. Is he still around? What's he up to? Last time I spoke <laughs> to him was um, for the series I was chatting to you about before we came on, because uh, I want to get him on to talk oh, about yeah. being the editor of Chelsea Magazine at the time. But uh, the Chelsea Magazine you would have written for, the old masthead ran along the side of the magazine where it said Chelsea from the bottom to the top, didn't it? I remember that. I can't remember. Yeah. Right, possibly. Sorry, Andy. Brothers, you, you've obviously got a very famous brother in David Badil. Were you? Was there a lot of sibling rivalry, Chelsea-wise, when you were growing up? Or were no, you? No, no. I mean, we're both. We're, there's a third brother, but so me and David are both Chelsea fans. I mean, we we sit together. He, he wasn't. He's not around. He's he's away actually at the moment. But so I took my son, which, which I've got to say is brilliant. My son's a diehard Chelsea fan. So I've, I've done done well there. Um, but no, we both support Chelsea. For some reason, probably weird psychological reasons, the other brother, Dan, he's an Arsenal fan. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. But for, so for years, he had the upper hand when we, we you know, as you, you both know, we, for years, we just never beat them. Um, and I had other Arsenal fan mates who just used to take the mix. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And then, of course, I'll tell you this story. I've got a feeling I might have told this story last time I was on. But um, three days after my son was born, uh, was the Chelsea Arsenal European Cup? It was quarterfinal, wasn't it? Where we beat them two one. When Wayne Bridge scored that goal, mm. and I cried more when that goal went in than when my son was born. <laughs> so um, I was probably emotional because of him being born anyway. Um, but yeah, so me, you know, me and David, are, you know, both Chelsea fans, we've been going together for years. 
Yeah, is your dad Chelsea? Football. I was going to ask that. Yeah, no. he's Colin Chelsea. No, he's not. He's Swansea because he's a, he's a Welshman. He grew up in. That's why I'm partly why I'm called Ivan. Um, he grew up in Swansea. So Swansea are my second team. So we always used to go there as kids to see my grandparents in the summer. About probably about this time of year when we were kids, and Swansea in the old fourth division playing at the the Vetchfield. And we'd usually catch the first game, an awful first game of the season. Um, right. But, it, but, you know, but it's fond memories none, nonetheless. So Did you ever watch Frank when he was team. there? When he was on loan from West Ham? Frank what, Lampard? At, at Swansea? Yeah, he went on loan for a little bit at Swansea, didn't he? Before he got really? his... Yeah, I think he was 17 before he went to... Yeah, but, that was got a chance. I'm tal- <laughs> but I'm talking... You know, seventies. Oh <laughs> right, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't been born yet. <laughs> so let's um, let's have a look. <laughs> what you've now both surprisingly told me is neither of you watched the Real Villarreal Super Cup game. So we're going to have to kind of truncate that a little bit. Now, first of all, I want to know your excuse, Gary, why you didn't watch the Super Cup game. <laughs> so I'm a massive Michael Mann movie geek, and. Um, I'd watch Collateral and then it sort of rolled into Heat and I, Heat's one of my most favourite films. So but I just you literally really got, could have watched them at any point. I know, but Heat is one of those movies that I can't, I can't watch it and then stop. And I just love the soundtrack to it. It's got this amazing bit of music by Moby that leads into it. And it's just, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just this incredible movie and I just uh-huh. got into it. And um, But I watched the penalties. Right. So, so there you go. That's a terrible, terrible excuse. Ivor, why didn't you <laughs> watch the uh, watch the Villarreal game? Well, I think my excuse is better. I've, I was in Greece. I've just come back from Greece. Right. And I paid seven ninety nine to watch the top, the Arsenal friendly and the Tottenham friendly. Is it the It's called the Mind Cup. The Mind it? Series, yeah. Uh, the Mind Series, yeah. Uh, so my son, to be honest, I wasn't that bothered about watching them, but my son is seventeen now. The same one I, you know, didn't cry over <laughs> until three days later. Um, he badgered me to, to, you know, fork out for them. Um, so I could watch those on the Chelsea app, but then that, the Villarreal game wasn't on the app. It was on BT Sport, which I've got, but then because you're out of the country, I couldn't get it. And we did spend about 20 minutes trying to find a possibly illegal stream. You just need um, to get a VPN, Ivor. Everybody knows that. Virtual private network. I don't, I don't know. It's a, but that's illegal as well. That's one of those dongle things, isn't it? No, it's just a download you can get. You can just hire them. Really? VPN. Tell him, Gary. Oh. It's easy, isn't it? I, I do not um, partake in any of this criminality either. Good, right. Um, well, either way, anyway, I have no idea. You but, didn't watch but, it. Two terrible I excuses. Well, I, um, I think mine's not so bad. No. So, so this is a game that. Uh, I mean, okay. Let, let, I mean, we are, we kind of asked the question on the on the podcast last week. Either did you care about this game? Was it you know this is a cup? This is a major trophy. Did you care? No. The truth is no. Um, it's nice. Uh, only in the sense of it's, a, it's another pre-season game. It's a chance for the team to, to get a bit of fitness. It probably means more to them, obviously, than the Arsenal, Tottenham, the other friendly, the Peterborough, wasn't it? Peterborough, 13-0 or something. Um, Weymouth. So it, it, yeah, it means more to them than those games. So it's good to see them at, you know, not full pelt, I guess, but you know, almost that level. So it's, it's good to gauge, to, it would have been if we'd watched it, to gauge them. Um, but I'm not really bothered, you know. Who, who cares who who wins the Super Cup? And you know, just obviously we've got to go off later in the season to Japan to play the the World Cup or the FIFA World Club Cup, whatever it's called. Which, to be honest, is another pain in the ass because that all 
there's a jet lag and, and everything else that that could have a detrimental effect on the season. So those sort of things, I don't know. I mean, yeah, what's the point? Yeah. Well, not he, really picked not a, that he did pick a pretty strong team. He had Mendy in goal, uh, Trevor Chalaber, who I'm sure we're going to come on and talk about quite a lot in the, in, in the mm. coming minutes. Uh, Kurt Zuma and Rudiger as a back three. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi as right wing back. Alonso as left wing back. Kante and Kovacic in the middle with uh, Zayek and Havertz either side of Werner. So he went for a, a pretty strong team. Uh, Zayek uh, opened the scoring uh, for Chelsea after 27 minutes and promptly got injured, uh, damaged his shoulder by all accounts. Um, very, I thought, strong first half from Chelsea. Bit of a lax and lame and fairly underpowered second half. Uh, Moreno uh got the uh equalizer in the 73rd minute so we went to extra time um at 1-1 um a complete deadlock after 120 minutes and then we went to penalties which presumably you have both seen i tuned in just at that moment so i'd um i hadn't looked at my phone and then um i just felt it vibrate just as um robert de niro was getting shot by al pacino and uh, <laughs> so, did and, you turn in to see Havertz's terrible first penalty? Oh, it was horrendous! But I, I turned it on and I saw Kepper, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't realise he'd started." And then, obviously, I was caught on with the whole subplot of him coming on for penalties. And tell was, us about that. What happened? You know, you can you can you can talk us through that one. Well, I'll try. Uh, so basically, Mendy was playing, and then he brought Kepper on for penalties right near the death. Right? Yeah. Um, with, the, with the understanding that, that, that we nobody kind of knew at the time, but the assumption was that, that he had identified or the team had identified that Kepper was a uh, better bet in a shootout situation uh, than Mendy would have been. So it was a tactical substitution that left a lot of, uh, of the pundits certainly scratching their heads. But most of the fans um, kind of going, well, we can see what he's doing here. It's not a massive surprise. We may not agree with it, but it's not a massive surprise. So um, it was a, a really interesting thing. What did you think about that, Ivor? Well, I'll tell you the best thing I thought about it is, by all reports, you know, the two keepers are very happy with the situation. They knew it was going to happen. <clears throat> and neither of them were, were at all bothered by it, which, you know, take these things with a pinch of salt because, you, you know, Mendy's hardly going to come out and say, oh, I was really pissed off about it. But, if you know, we haven't got anything else to go on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so if it's true, and I hope it is, it points to it does genuinely point to a good team spirit. Because you wonder, you know, Kepper came in; is he still the most expensive keeper in the world. I'm not entirely sure, but he's certainly mm-hmm. expensive. Um, you know, and he's he's dropped down the rankings a bit. But it's, you know, I think hopefully it's true. I think, you know, testament to Tuchel's man- managerial skills, which generally, from again from the outside, I think they're fantastic. His man management skills seems to be very good. So he's got a keeper, you know, who. I don't know. My chronology is terrible, but not so long ago, he was refusing to come off when the manager called him to come off. So he's clearly got a, a bit of a, a bit of a temper on him, and now he's you know he's second you know second in the rankings, and yet you know he's he's got him. He seems relatively happy, and it works. I think is a re- and it works. He made the well, yeah. winning pen- he made the winning penalty save. Uh, Chelsea go on and win the Super Cup. And uh, Tuchel, after the game, when interviewed, said, "Yeah, we looked at the stats. We looked at the analysis. They came to me with the data. We analysed the data, and we decided that this was the best thing to do. If we had an opportunity to bring Kepper on, and we hadn't used all our substitutes, then then that would be a tactical move." And I, for one, like it. I like that 
approach. Mm. I like that almost like money ball approach of looking at the stats and not just putting a finger in the air and going, well, I hope it works. If you look at the numbers and you look at the stats, that's what they do in other sports. Why wouldn't they do it in football, Gary? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's bold management, isn't it? But And you say the money ball approach because penalties, you know what we say about managers, they can pick a team and they can put 11 players on the pitch, but there's so much that they can't legislate for. They can't legislate for someone slipping over and you know, allowing the ball to run through and the you know, player rounds the keeper and scores, right? They can't legislate for a red card. They can't legislate for so much. But they can in certain areas with three kicks, corners and penalties, right? The set pieces. Mm. So I love the fact that, you know, you, you think of Moneyball and how Billy Bean was bringing all these players in and drafting just, just players. Just in case for anybody that, that's listening, Moneyball is the is the sabermetrics uh, philosophy that was bought in by baseball. Uh, the very famous film with Brad Pitt in it called Moneyball. With the Oakland which is, Days. Uh, which is, yes, with the Oakland uh, Athletics, uh, who uh, took a very analytical approach to player acquisition um, uh, based on metrics and based on numbers. Sorry, Gary. That's all right. Billy Bean, now part of the ownership group at Barnsley as well, interestingly well, enough. There you go. Very interesting. Um, but what, and what, what they did there, though, is that they did stuff like they, they looked at players who ne- didn't necessarily get home runs and were glamour players, but they got... Sorry, that was my dog flapping his ears. Um they they got players who would get to first base. And I yeah. think that when you put that into penalties, you've got a goalkeeper who might not necessarily be the best goalkeeper in the world that we hoped he would be when we're paying, you know, 80-odd million for him, but he's good at penalties. So it sort of works, right? So I, I, I saw it, I feared Is, is it any different to Rory, Rory Delap being good at long throws? It's the same principle, isn't it? It's just yeah. a case of trying he's to control. Weapon. Yeah, trying yeah. to control something where you might you think you've got an upper hand, right? So I, I, I do like that, and I'd like it when managers consider that. Sometimes it goes wrong because you look at what happened with England in the summer. Mm. Southgate brought in Rashford and um, the new kid, at, why is my mind gone dead, Sancho, you know, to take penalties. Unfortunately, they, they missed them and had them saved. So um, sometimes it works and you're genius. Sometimes it fails and you're... Yeah, you called all the names under the sun when you should. How, how would the Chelsea fans have reacted if Kepper had missed it and and uh, uh, exactly had gone on to do exactly. it? I mean, these are the margins we're dealing with. Listen, guys, I'm going to take a break for an ad break here, and we will be back to talk about Crystal Palace after this. And we're back. Uh, that was a super cut wrapped up with only one of the three people on this podcast having watched the entire game. So a little bit of a, a quick round. What did you make of it? Was it a good performance, Andy? It, well, first half was a good performance. Second half, uh, not so much. Uh, Zayt going off was a, was a bit of a blow. Um, we could have really done without that. He looked like he was hitting some kind of form, took his goal well. Um, listen, we did what we had to do. We, we've got a winning mentality now, I think. And the acquisition of Romelu Lukaku to put the ball in the net can only be a good thing for me. So I think, I think we're very good. It was very interesting watching Match of the Day on Saturday, which was a pleasure, obviously, once we've won, uh, to see both Shearer and Ian Wright picking Chelsea for the league this year. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people backing us. Um, we certainly seem to know how to win football matches, having won the Champions League, the Super Cup, mm. and obviously the game on Saturday, not looking like we have a you know a, 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 an out-and-out striker. So now we've got one. Um, let, let, let's hope that's going to be something that, that we can look forward to. Let's talk about... Crystal Palace. We all went to the game, right? Yes. So I'm assuming that we all watched this one because we were there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 3-0 win for Chelsea. Uh, when you saw the team, either, was there any sort of uh, interesting eyebrows raised or did you just sagely nod at Tuchel's decision? 
Well, you know, you got a you know slight eyebrow raise at, at Chalabar. Um but it was great. It was great to see him in there to you know have faith in him. Um, but the, but one of the things about the, just briefly going back to the Villarreal game that a lot of people said was that you know our bench could have started that game. Mm. So I think you know looking at the team, the squad as a whole, it's really the first time that they've had real strength in depth. You know, for the entire squad, um, and with maybe Chalobah being the slight unknown, but actually, but you know, he's been given his chance and he absolutely you know proved himself. You know, certainly on Saturday, and he did pretty well in the Villarreal game, um, I believe. Yeah, he did very but, well. Um, mm. No, he did. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pleased that you know he's obviously proved himself in training for Tuchel, and he's you know earned his chance to start. Um, I mean, it'd be you know it's interesting. Obviously, Silva's getting on a bit, but you'd have thought he'd be the first choice there, um, or maybe not. I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? If, if if we look at the team, you've got Mendy in goal. He looks like the first choice. Uh, Chalaba, yeah. Christensen and Rudiger at the back. Rudiger looks like he's nailed on for a spot every week. Yeah. Uh, the other two interesting conversations to be had, I think, particularly if this guy, Kunde, comes in. Uh, midfield, you've got uh, Azpilicueta and Alonso as the full-backs. Uh, Jorginho and Kovacic in the middle. Uh, Mount Pulisic and Werner up front and you talked about that bench the bench was Kepa Silva Abraham Zuma Hudson Adoy Chilwell James Havertz and Emerson that's not a bad bench at all is it no absolutely I mean, I, Gat- to be honest with you I, I would I slightly would prefer James instead of Azpi um, do you think he's maybe yeah, just giving he, him a little bit of time to you know to to come back from the Euros in, in a not too difficult game and you know just yeah, yeah. bring him I mean, in we've got a, a big run of games coming up haven't we Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, you're probably right. But I wonder, you know, what his thinking is in terms of who's his, his first choice there. I just prefer Reese because he's just a little bit more attacking. I, I, but actually, he played, he played no, I was, no, there was no weak, weakness there on Saturday for me. Everyone played brilliantly, I thought. But just sometimes I think he's a great defender, as for the question. But going forward, he's, I don't, you know, Reese James crosses the ball so well. Um, and that, to me, you know, gives him a slight edge, and he's, you know, he's a bit younger, and he's probably a little bit fitter. Not, I mean, not a lot in it. Was was Aspiliqueta's? Was it his cross that led to the Pulisic goal? No, I think it was it was Mount, wasn't it? It was, it was an overlap, two. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, sorry, I, played, I, I, I'm, I'm literally asking the question. I don't know, so it's like I can't remember. So, yeah, was it Chalabu passed the ball out out to Mount? Then it was that nice one-two. He led it inside to um, Aspi, mm. and then he got it back. Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's, I'm, I'm I know what you mean. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, he is a much greater threat going forward, Rhys James. Mm. Um, you know, it is interesting. Perhaps you know, perhaps with Chalaba there, he wanted a little bit of experience back there. I mean, who knows what the yeah. what, what the what the situation is? But apart from that, Gary, what did you think of the team? I thought what's incredible is that you could see that only being our half strongest team. And I know that sounds really pedantic, and and it's not, it's not that's not to say anything negative about the players he played. But I think that after the Copper America, I think you will see obviously Thiago Silva come in, and Chaloba's going to get. He's got a squad number, right? He's got he's there for the, the season now. Mm. I think it's it's going to be great for him to get fifteen to twenty games, maybe. Mm. You know, um, Carabao Cup, whatever it's called these days. Um, you know, maybe some Champions League group games when when the group's over and we're, and we're through. 
Um, you know, playing against the likes of Arsenal, maybe, you know, the easy games. So you um, think Christensen's going to come in instead of Chalaba? Because if you think Rudiger and Silva are going to play, there was one yeah, spot I, left I, in I, a back three. Yeah, I think that he'll probably go for uh, Rudiger, Thiago Silva and Christensen, mm. um, or maybe Azpilicueta there. But I think the midfield, I think you're, it's nailed on that three of those four are going to change because yeah. obviously Kante will come in, which will get Kovacic gone. Um, I would like to see Mount in Jorginho's position, but obviously I'm not Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, um, and also it's not his right position. Yeah, yeah, I, I just think it could be. And I also, think... I've had a lot of feedback from you saying that that Tuchel doesn't like Jorginho. I, no, I, I'm not saying he doesn't like him. What I'm saying is that I think as this team progresses, I just think that as he wants to change the style of play, he, he won't be able to do that with Jorginho I think that someone like Mount will be better equipped to do it because he's more mobile and he can play in a different way to what Jorginho does because Jorginho is a stop pass stop pass which is fine I'm not criticising him he had a good game on Saturday I just think that um, if Chelsea want to be a bit more dynamic and more exciting I think having someone like Mount drop back into that space then what it does it frees up a position as well where because you think where they're going to be trying to squeeze in Havertz Werner Pulisic Ziyech Hudson Odoi, Mount, six players for two positions. Mm. I think as Chelsea develop as a team, I just think that there will be some casualties along the way. And I think that maybe in the long term, if Tuchel is there, that I think you might see someone like Mount drop back. I could be talking absolute nonsense, but I don't think that's completely. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Implausible. I don't know whether you are or not. Well, are you a Jorginho fan, uh, Ivor? Are you are you a Jorginho hater? No, no, I'm certainly not a hater, and I think he had a fantastic Euros. I think he's grown as a player, and I just—it's very difficult. My gut feeling, you know, I love attacking football and I want to score goals, but you can't build a, a you know, Premiership-winning team. You've got to think of the defence as well. And I was listening on match of the day. You know, we've had the best since Tuchel's come in. We've had the best defensive record in the in the Premier League. So it's it's getting that balance. And I think Jorginho and Kovacic in that midfield are, are just so solid. They work well together. But you know, I, I know he's a little bit sort of defensive minded Jorginho but I think that it gives it that solidity mm. whereas actually the, the one and, and Kovacic is a bit more attacky he's the one that worries me a little bit more because occasionally he's a bit reckless I don't think he had a good game on Saturday Kovacic if I'm honest I mean not too much. I mean everybody played well I just don't think he played as well as others I thought Jorginho was superb um, mm. and absolutely bossed the midfield um, Kante obviously is going to come back I mean Kante's one of the best players in the world why would well, Kante's he? Kante isn't he I, yeah, I, I just Kante's think that and I know this isn't an England podcast, but it's sort of like watching England in the Euros. It was great, but then I just felt like with Phillips and Rice there, it was like football with the handbrake on. And I think that's what Tuchel's done at the moment, which is fine because Chelsea won the Champions League playing that, right? I'm not trying to criticise him and say that he shouldn't be doing something different, but I just think that as this team goes on and as more teams get used to playing against Chelsea and what Chelsea are trying to do, I just think that you can't play... With you say, you know, he talks about the two sixes. You, you can't play like that. I just don't think you can. I just think that you need more creativity and a little bit more substance in the middle there. Where Mount did this in the youth team, he played a bit deeper, he played further up. And I know that's youth team, but it's football, a waste, but... isn't it, Gary? It's a massive waste. Look what he gives us on yeah. a, as an attacking option. I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think that there's yeah. players. I, mean, I, know, that... I, know, I know it's something you feel very strongly about, and you're absolutely entitled to your opinion. And and you may be right. I'm not. I, I don't know. I just think he loves Jorginho. I think he loves what, what Jorginho brings to the team. Um, I genuinely think that. I think he loves Kante. I think they're, they're that midfield. And I think Mount will form, 
you know, part of that attacking uh, trio quartet, call, call it what you want. The, the, see, the, but what the, I'd like to see is just, just going back to what I was saying about the midfield before is like, I think Chilwell, as we know, is the better player than Alonso all round. I think Alonso's set pieces are superb. But I think that Chilwell, Mount, Kante and James as that four in midfield, if you're keeping the wing backs, then that, what that allows then is Ziyech and Pulisic. Or yeah, but you're, what you're trying to do is slot players in. And no, I don't no, no. Think, I just mean I, like I, players who fit that area, right? So I just think that when the Palace game, it was a great performance, a solid performance against a pretty turgid team, but it was terrible a performance. Team, terrible that, Palace team. They were awful. Yeah they, yeah, they they were really, really... It was almost like they just thought... Yeah, I remember years ago when Bobby Robson went to Man United on the opening day of the season with Newcastle. He said, oh, "I hope we just don't get stuffed." And it was—I think that's what happened with Palace. They just turned yeah. up like they were surrendering the game. They—they they were hoping for the best. So, so, much, so much for Vieira's. I promise you, open attacking football. Eh? <laughs> but I, I, yeah, yeah, I they think that like... they would have been slaughtered if they had played like that. But I just think I that it was great. But what I mean is, by, by all this, the, the I guess I'm you know, dragging the point out is that it's great that you can look at this team and you can see where it can be strengthened, but at the same time, they're still walking a game, which I think just says so much about what Chelsea have got right now. Now they've signed Lukaku, we saw on Saturday, like there was just no presence in the middle because Werner's not that type of player. They were trying to get balls in and there was no one ever there. And I don't know what you can see on TV, but when you're watching and you're watching the pattern of play and you're seeing that, that having Lukaku in the middle, I remember Pulisic got a header like early on in the game. If that was Lukaku, that's one nil, right? I just think that with Lukaku playing, it would have been five or six probably. Yeah, I think some of that had to do with what I was saying about Aspilicueta playing in that attacking role. I don't think he is as as dominant going forward as Rhys James is, um, or you know Hudson Odoi is when he's playing at, at, uh, at fullback. So I, you know it's 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 uh, it is interesting. I don't know. I'm interested to see how it all shapes out. You know Thomas Tuchel in in Thomas we trust. I think. I mean, God, I don't think he's put a foot wrong so far. I think he's been amazing. Um, no, I just they'll hope... fire him next week. Obviously, obviously, yeah, he's going to be gone by yeah. Christmas. What did you <laughs> did you ever look at Mark Gooey, number six for Crystal? Palace, who we let go. Um, who's is that? How you pronounce his name? I don't want to embarrass. Yeah, Gooey Gway. Gooey Gway. Uh, who we sold, Mark Gooey. He was a defender, centre back. I mean, obviously had a torrid time. But did you see anything there that made you think? Oh, I wish we'd kept him. I mean, to be honest, he looked a little bit sort of forlorn. I, I don't. He didn't. He didn't look much of a presence. I wasn't. You know, maybe I shouldn't judge him on this particular game, but he didn't look like one of the players that you know that got away to me. No, Palace looked like a team who didn't know you know, how they were meant to play. They've obviously been playing a Roy Hodgson way last season. Mm. They've had a, a, a bit of pre-season. Vieira... A lot of new fantastic. players. Yeah, a lot of new players. But he's a fantastic player himself. I'm sure he's got great ideas as to how he wants them to play. But they look like a team who just haven't caught up with what their manager wants. They're mm. just very much in transition. And, you know, I'd be, you know, I think I would put money on Vieira to be one of the first managers to get sacked because... You know, I, I'm not sure. Who knows? I'm not sure that they'll, it feels like they won't grasp it. They'll, they'll be unrest, and you know, ten games in, and he's got Frank the ball potential, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> that, exactly that. Yeah. So, but you never know. That, you know, I may be wrong. What well, I think as well, around, though, with with Vieira's managerial record, what he did at NYCFC and Nice wasn't that great. Get him in at Arsenal. Love to see him at Arsenal. Mm. Love yeah. to see him drag them down. Well, they didn't have a great start to the season. Fur- Brentford, further than they? what yeah, they're being tracked already. Yeah, oh, they, they don't need him. I think they're they're on a, a massive <laughs> downward trajectory. Thank God. But, but listen, but that, ha- that sort of blows my mind. Sorry, is it another break? No, no, no. Carry on. Because <laughs> I watched the Brentford Arsenal game, and it's the first time I think the season started, and I've really looked at an Arsenal team and thought they're mediocre. There's nothing there to you know. I mean, we'll obviously lose to them on. on is it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday, Sunday I think. Yeah. Um, but 
they did. They, I don't, don't know what's happened to them. They look so middle of the table. Possibly even. I mean, I'd love them to go down. What a joy that would be. But they just, they just really look like a nothing. There's nothing to fear, really. No, there is. You know, there's, there's nothing, nothing be, about but, them that makes you think that they could potentially threaten yeah. for anything more than mid table at the moment. I know, and that, but that's weird. That feels really weird. Mm. I can't really think of a season. I know it's been heading that way for a while, but. The last time it was bad, it was Bruce Rioch was manager, wasn't it? Yeah, I would have said yeah. the same thing about Spurs, but then they beat City yesterday. So you know, it's interesting, isn't it? How how things can can happen. Um, going back to the uh, to the Palace game, we had to wait twenty seven minutes before Marcus Alonso did what Marcus Alonso does from set pieces. He really is quite good at that, isn't he? Excellent, excellent. Yeah. He, he reminds me of uh, this is a cross reference on the sport. Did you ever watch hockey? There was a player called Callum Giles who always used to score penalty corners for the Great Britain team. And that just that's what Alonso is. He is the Callum Giles of football. Because on set pieces, he is just superb. Yeah, don't forget also, late in the second half, or some point in the second half, he had that fantastic volley. He yeah. has got that in his locker as well. He's done that. He's put he did it against Burnley away, last but... season, didn't he, on, on the turn? Yeah. So he's, he's got, got unbelievable like... touch as well. I mean, I don't think there's a fullback in the land that's got, got the kind of touch that he's got. It's quite something to watch. Um, I, you know, the only thing he lacks is, is pace and the ability to get back when he's got forward. So that's why Chilwell, as you say, Gary, is probably a better option uh, going forward. I think, I think against teams that are going to adopt a low block against us and put 11 men behind the ball, Alonso's great because he's such a threat in the in the opposition half but if you're playing a team that's going to get at you and cause you problems then you can't play Alonso he just yeah, when you want have, def- defensive shape he Alonso's doesn't have not that, that player for that, no. which is why Chilwell is probably going to play play more games but so so but he's a great he's a great option to have and I'm, I'm glad he's still in the squad um a, a fantastic goal I thought uh br- brilliantly taken um and then Pulisic who I thought up until that point had had another sort of middling average game mm. pops up and scores in the 40th minute what do we think about Christian Pulisic? Any concerns on him, Ivor? Yeah, a, li- a little bit. There was a point in, I think, before he'd scored. I think sometimes his decision-making is not great. I'm sure, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was a point where he had the ball sort of middle of the pitch in their half. There were two players overlapping. And it just felt, I mean, look, it's easy from up above looking down and seeing it, but it just felt like the, 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 the obvious simple thing to do is just, Lay it off to the left and release those two players down down the line. But he he did some you know fancy footwork and you know, did what he does. It's just, and often he's fantastic at it. But I just sometimes I think his decision making could be a little bit better. You don't always have to you know dribble round three or four players. Sometimes a simple ball could be far more effective. So that that's the only thing. I mean, I, look, we need someone like him. You talk about teams essentially parking the bus. You know, I, I cannot stand watching a team trying to break that down, going side to side, side mm. to side, side to side. The best way to do that is, is you know, we've all we've spent years watching Eden Hazard. You just go straight at them, take them on. They're terrified of that. And, you know, yeah, OK, it doesn't always work. But you, that that's the way, you know, I just go that side to side to side to side, you know, waiting for an opening. I, I, it drives me insane. So, look, I love him taking players on, and he's probably the best at the moment in the team at, at doing that. But as I say, his decision-making sometimes needs a little bit yeah, to be desired, I think. Pulisic, Gary. I love him. I think he's. You know, I've made no, you know, no, no secret of you know what I think of. Him. I think he's up there in our top three players. But he does frustrate at times. I spoke to someone on Saturday, and they said, "Oh, he looked like he had nervous energy." And I don't know whether that is a confidence thing that he sees Ziyech and uh, Havertz and Werner, you know, and others around him, and maybe he sort of 
because the way he started the game, his touch was just off. Mm. Yeah, he sort of seemed to be pinging off him, and he's normally a bit silkier than that. But um, I, I, I do think that he's got a lot going for him, and but he just needs that run of games as well to really get going. I think that last year you saw towards the end of the season he started getting into it more, where I think he he ended up getting the confidence in his hamstring. Yeah, that's so the problem, isn't it? He, he goes on this run of games, he gets to the point where where you think, oh, now he's purring, and then he gets injured. And Which I hope doesn't happen now, yeah. but I just think for him to get that goal, it, it was sort of one of those, um, you know, coming in off the back of your ass goals, wasn't it, when a striker's yeah. not scoring a lot, where I think for him, you could see he scored that, and then he sort of puffed his chest out a bit more, and he felt more like he was involved and that he had a, a role to play in the team. I just hope that he doesn't get sort of rotated too much because I think that impacts him, whereas some players, they don't mind being, ro- well, they want to play, but being rotated doesn't really necessarily impact them too much. But I think for him, he needs to be playing games regularly. I, I think he's but a great player. I think he's a brilliant player. But that, I agree. But that's kind of what I mean. In those first 20 minutes, those first few touches, you know, maybe it, somebody should have said to him, look, just you don't have to go full pelt. Just play a couple of simple balls, relax into the game. That's what I mean about that, you know, that being an intelligent footballer, that decision-making. Yeah. Those first two or three touches can be really important. You just do a simple pass. Gradually, you're relaxing a bit more and then you can take him on. Um, I know what yeah, I mean because sometimes you look at him and you feel like he's, he might look calm on the outside but then you see him when he's getting the ball and his mind seems to be racing like a million miles per mm. hour whereas you made the comparison with Hazard which is fair because he's meant to be doing the same thing and I think he's mm. a bit more clinical in front of Golden Hazard but then Hazard was just so cool wasn't he and he would just get the ball and he would just you know he would just had so much grace as he drifted past players and they couldn't get near him. Whereas I think Pulisic, he seems a little bit, he wants two or three more touches, you know, before he actually does yeah. something. But I just think on the whole, I just think from where he's come from, for the way he's had to settle in at Chelsea, I think he's where maybe he could be a little bit better, but he's sort of where you want him to be. I think he can still go on to be a little bit more clinical and a bit, a bit better than he has been but I think Saturday was sort of I guess it summed up his Chelsea career right yeah a little he was bit, good little bit and then bad pieces. good and yeah. bad so yeah. yeah I'm conscious of time because we are uh, from here on in going to make these episodes a little bit shorter we're going to try and make them about 35-40 minutes um, and do two a week so what we're going to do is just kind of wrap up the Crystal Palace game uh, and then that will be your your first uh, podcast of the week and then we're going to preview you can take a break and then we're going to preview uh, the Arsenal game on Sunday which we'll put out on Saturday morning so to finish up this I want to talk obviously about the big story of the Crystal Palace game which is Trevor Chalaber who popped up after 58 minutes right side of the penalty area 20 yards out smash one into the goal uh, to score and the reaction from him and his teammates clearly showed how much that meant to him what a story Ollie. Uh, uh, Ivor, what a story! Yeah, it was great, and you know, just thinking about it, he prior to that, he, he's had a really, really good game as well. So again, very similar to what we were saying about Pulisic, that you know, he, he's young. He could have been overexcited. He could have tried too much, but actually, he, he, he got the ball. He got very composed. He, he kept it pretty simple. He laid really nice balls out out to uh, mainly Aspilicueta at Mount, and they swapped a little bit. He kept it really simple, sharp. And then he seemed to grow. He grew in confidence. You know, he went on a couple of runs that, you know, showed he could take players on as well. He was solid, you know, against Zaha um, and um, Benteke. And then, you know, to cap it off, you know, that goal. I mean, it was just, it was great because he, I mean, they backed off him. It was awful defending. They gave him, you know, so much space. 
But, you know, we've all seen people balloon it over from there, but it's a cracking low and hard, just the perfect shot, low and hard. You know, the keeper even, he did get a bit of a touch to it, but couldn't stop it. And, I mean, the reaction was just, it was brilliant to that sort of raw emotion when it just sort of hit him. Um, and it was great. You know, that last season, none of us would have been there to, you know, he probably wouldn't have reacted that way last season because it was an empty stadium. And mm. we'd hear a couple of people clapping. So it's brilliant for him that you know, it was a full stadium and, you know, we were all there with him. It was, no, it was great. So loan spells at Ipswich, Huddersfield and Lorient in France, sixth goal of his career, Gary. Uh, a player that you ever thought would come back and, and make a stab at having a Premier League career with Chelsea? No, not at all. I don't think anyone did. I don't even think he did. Mm. Which isn't a criticism. I just think it's just an, an honest appraise, you know, an honest mm. observation, right? Oh, no, I totally agree. Yeah. He hasn't been on the radar, and I don't think he's been pulling up trees to the point where people have seen him and just thought, "Wow, this kid is amazing. We need to get him in the team." I think if he had joined some of the other players that you know have um, gone on to you know be sold to make up Lukaku's transfer fee this summer, I don't think anyone would have complained. <laughs> but I just think it's, it's great to see it because I got a bit emotional watching him score one because we we're mm. in the crowd, but. He's been at Chelsea since he was eight. He's he's a proper Chelsea player. He's a he's a Chelsea fan. He did what forty two thousand people, Leicester Palace fans in that stadium, what we all dreamt that we would do one day. And when <laughs> I saw well. that, we're still well. Yeah, that that's what I loved. And I just thought, I've people have always said like, imagine if you, I played for, um, I played on the pitch loads of times when I was at Chelsea, and then I went and played in a shore team, you know, one day, and I, I would score five aside goals. And I was in tears, scoring, <laughs> you know. And I, so imagine scoring on the opening day of the season, on your debut in front of all these fans, yeah. you know, and everyone said, what would you do? And I was like, I'll just be gone. But the yeah. thing is, he was gone, but then I, and I watched him after, because I thought, I wonder how he's going to react. And he was just so composed. He had mm. the moment on his knees. I loved the whole team around him. Everyone was just, you could feel that the players were celebrating for him like we were in the stands, right? And I just loved seeing that, you know, seeing that, from the dressing room, from the terraces, because that's what makes us all Chelsea, right? It was amazing. Forget- and, and, and also as well, I think it, it, it's interesting, isn't it, when well, people turn around, the, the assumption is that he's this callow kid that's come out of the academy. He's gone away on these tough loans in the championship. Mm. He's got a lot of games under his belt. He's battle-hardened, you know, so he's not some callow footballer. He's just mm. a footballer that perhaps a lot of people thought would never make it at the really elite level. But, you know... Maybe he will. Maybe he will. And maybe this is going to be one of the great stories of the season. Listen, guys, thank you so much uh, for this particular section of the podcast. As I say, uh, that's, that wraps up the uh, the review of the week. Uh, we're going to hold it there. Uh, but we'll be back Saturday morning for a, a preview of the Arsenal game. So join us then. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.